Hey guys, this is Brian Bisking here. What a great episode we have today with Frank Hannon. But before we get to that episode, I want to talk about two of my loyal and great sponsors. First, NWOIT Services. NWIT Services is a IT managed service provider here in St. Louis. As a business owner, downtime is not what you want to worry about. And with NWIT Services, they take that worry away with their month-to-month managed service packages. They handle our IT here at the STL Leaders. They're locally owned and have been in operation for 12 years. To find out more, visit nwoitservices.com. Also buy Inbound Blend Digital Marketing. As a business owner, are you busy running the day-to-day operations all while juggling a million things? Inbound Blend Digital Marketing provides affordable month-to-month website and marketing services with plans starting in the hundreds, not thousands. They handle our website and all of our social media here at the STL Leaders, and I highly recommend you check them out. To learn more about them, visit inboundblend.com. And now, to this episode of the STL Leaders Podcast. Hello, St. Louis. This is your host, Brian Bisking, and this is the STL Leaders Podcast. Did you know that there are 2.8 million people that live in the St. Louis metro area? There are many leaders inside of that population. I started this podcast to give those leaders a voice. The STL Leaders Podcast mission is to speak to the leaders of our area to gain insight into their story, their journey, and the lessons they have learned along the way. Each episode gives you inside access to the people who make St. Louis what it is today and what it will be in the future. Listen as we dive into what makes each leader so impactful and how they view success, mindset, and leadership. This podcast is brought to you by Synchrony HR, NWO IT Services, Inbound Blend Digital Marketing, and Enterprise Bank and Trust. On this episode of the STL Leaders Podcast, we welcome Frank Hannon. Frank Hannon is the CEO of Laserlight Technologies, a Fortune 500 resource company that calls small town Herman, Missouri home. Frank is a graduate of the University of Missouri and a longtime resident of the St. Louis metro area. It's my honor to welcome Frank Hannon to the show. Frank, welcome to the show. I really appreciate you taking some time out of your day to be here. Thank you, Brian. It's a pleasure. Absolutely. Well, I always start this podcast by letting people know uh, a little bit about uh, us. And, uh, you know, you and I met uh, several years ago, probably, uh, it's, it's crazy to think, but it's probably been three to four years ago now. And uh, just always enjoy talking with you and, and your leadership and uh, love to share kind of your background, your story with our listeners today. So I'm excited to dive in. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. So let's start with uh, your life growing up before laser light technologies. Uh, tell us a little bit about growing up, what that was like for you. Sure. So uh, I was raised in Glendale, California, which is uh, approximately 20, 25 minutes north of, of Los Angeles. In a uh, you know, typical, just nice, quiet, middle-class community. And uh, like most uh, kids, was very active in, in sports and, and outdoor activities. I, I played football and, and hockey frequently and uh, really enjoyed being outdoors, especially fishing, uh, whenever I got the opportunity with my father. And uh, from there, I, um, after growing up in, in the Southern California area, uh, decided to go to undergrad at Mizzou. Um, and eventually received uh, my MBA at the University of Liverpool in the UK. Awesome. So uh, what brought you to St. Louis? So business. Uh, we had opened up our 
second location of Laser Light Technologies in 1993 in Herman, Missouri. And uh, I can get into a little bit more detail about that uh, in one of the following questions a little bit later. But uh, that's that's really the reason. Okay. And, and so you moved here. And what year was that, you said? So I moved back here. Uh, it would have been um, 18 years ago. So that's uh, about 2002. So would you say, I mean, obviously California to St. Louis is a pretty drastic change. Uh, what do you enjoy more and why? Well, there's a lot of great things to do in California, there's no doubt. Uh, but af after spending some time here in, in Missouri and, and particularly in the uh, St. Louis area, I find that uh, the quality of life here, I think, is 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 much better than, than California in terms of uh, less population density. Um, you have a lot of similar access to a lot of the activities that you would there, uh, but with less um, less congestion of people and, and and things like that. And also, uh, I just really appreciate the quality of people that I've met since uh, relocating to this area. Uh, a lot of good people with good strong values, Midwestern values, uh, very family oriented, and uh, quite honestly, uh, I couldn't imagine raising raising my daughter anywhere but this area. So that's, that's really awesome. what's most appealing to me. Yeah, no, I think that's awesome. I think it says a lot about, um, I, you know, from my perspective, you know, I, I never lived in California, but I think it's really cool to hear people talk about um, that they enjoy the Midwest feel more than the California feel. Because I, from my seat, it's, I've always thought, you know, I love St. Louis. I, I love everything about St. Louis, but man, I'd love to live closer to a beach, <laughs> you know, uh, but I think to your point, there's a lot of great values here that some people don't realize uh, that we have here in St. Louis, and and you know, um, you you hit on on several of those. Yeah, no, I absolutely agree. It's a, it's a beautiful state, and and like you said, if you just spend a little bit of time, uh, there's really no limit on uh, activities and things to do here. Absolutely. So tell us about Laser Light Technologies. What is your mission as an organization? What do you guys do? I, I know I've had the pleasure of actually being out at your location, and and I I will tell our listeners. Uh, a beautiful building and pretty amazing stuff what they do, but I, I'd love for you to tell us what you guys do. Sure. So we are a, a contact manufacturer for the medical device and microelectronic markets, and we utilize ultra-precise micro-machining lasers and clean room post-processing to manufacture products uh, for some of the largest medical device manufacturers in the world. And uh, our, or our organization, or my mission for the organization, really it all comes back to the people, and I think that's why the uh, St. Louis area resonates with me in terms of the values. And really, my goal has always been from day one is treating employees the way that I would like to be treated and striving at all times to give them a quality of life better than most larger corporations can offer. That's absolutely paramount to me. I, and I love that. I, you know me, and, and obviously I'm in the HR field, and I, I, I think that uh, companies that have that mindset uh, outperform companies that don't. And, you know, I, I've seen it with you uh, many times. And I think that's just that's just an awesome mission um, for you and your organization. And I think it pays off. And so I, I want to take that and I want to back it up a little bit and to talk to our listeners about, you know, how Laserlight got started um, and then eventually how you became president and CEO and, and bought the organization from your mother. Sure. So. Originally, the company was founded in Glendale, California in 1985. Uh, it was originally uh, named Laser Market. And at that time, what we did was laser engraving of products. Uh, our first client 
at that time was a company Pentel Pens, marking their pens. We also uh, marked um, uh, Maglite. They're a, a large uh, flashlight manufacturer. They have since brought that capability in-house. So those are a couple brand names that people would recognize in terms of the uh, clients that we had served. Uh, and then fast forward to, to current state, in 1993, uh, we added a second location in Herman, Missouri. And the reason we chose that location is my mother uh, is originally from Herman. And uh, we, had a, we had a contract with uh, 3M at the time out of Minnesota. And uh, the, the volumes became significant enough that the logistical cost became too much to bear. And so they had mandated that we open up a second uh, facility closer to them. And uh, my mother, being from the Herman area, went to the local uh, city administration and, and was able to receive some nice benefits uh, and tax incentives to open up a second location in Herman. And uh, shortly thereafter, we acquired a company called Newman Microtechnologies, which specialized in excimer laser technology. And that was really the uh, transition from laser engraving to laser micromachining. Uh, so today, the company, as it stands, we, we no longer uh, invest or, or provide services for laser engraving. We actually sold off our, our division in California uh, about two to three years after I relocated to the St. Louis area. And all of our focus currently is on high-tech, ultra-precise machining. Uh, some examples of that would be drilling holes in catheters, uh, angioplasty balloons, filters uh, for, you know, aortic valve filters, uh, things of that nature. So really, really small, precise machining, slotting, grooving uh, in implantable devices for the human body. Yeah, I, I can attest from being out there. Uh, at your location a couple of years ago, just seeing the types of machines that you guys uh, have and your clean room. And um, it's pretty, pretty interesting stuff that you guys do that, you know, to, to most people wouldn't even realize um, exist, you know. Um, and so it's, it's and, it, and it's impactful work, right? It's, it's needed work. And so especially in the COVID-19 uh, era that we're in right now, I'm assuming uh, talk to us a little bit about how COVID-19 has affected your business, uh, either good or bad. Sure. So, no, you're you're absolutely right. And um, I'll start off with this. We've we've been really fortunate, Brian, uh, being a supplier to the medical device industry. We've seen an increase in business due to COVID. Uh, one of our clients actually makes a uh, a sparge disc that filters out uh, blood and plasma products, which is then sold to vaccine companies such as Pfizer, Moderna, and so forth. So we are actually touching product. Uh, that the end use is being used to develop the vaccines, which are going to help uh, the population and help hopefully control this COVID in the near future. Yeah. I, uh, I also want to say this. Um, you know, I have a lot of friends in other industries, and a lot of companies are are struggling today. And uh, so I don't take it for granted uh, in any fashion. And uh, understand, I also say this with a great deal of humility because I do feel we've been very blessed. Well, yeah, I, you know, I think from sitting in my sh shoes, I've seen some organizations, um, I don't want to use the word thrive, uh, but obviously they, they have um, been positively impacted from a financial perspective uh, by the challenges this year. But then there's other industries that I, my heart absolutely goes out to. Uh, restaurant business um, is obviously one of those. Uh, so it, it's, it's been a, it's been a really challenging year for a lot of small businesses, but I, I am happy to hear that your business has, has done well um, and, and weathered the storm, so to speak. 
Um, you know, and I, I feel a part of that may have to do with your management style. And so I want you to talk to us a little bit about, you know, about your open book management style. What is that and how did you implement it? And, and then how have you continued to, to utilize that to lead your organization? Sure. So I first learned about open book management when I read the book, The Great Game of Business, authored by Jack Stack. And um, basically that, uh, that whole concept came out of a company called um, SRC in Springfield, Missouri. And they were uh, basically a, a tier one supplier for international harvester tractors. And uh, they had come up on financial hard times. And I really had to rethink about how they were going to keep everybody employed, keep the business liquid and, and moving forward in, in the uh, changing times. And so Jack Stack uh, really focused on uh, creating this open book management and was really a pioneer in this area. And uh, through that process, uh, grew SRC from a, a struggling company to a, a half a billion dollar enterprise. And um, so after reading the book, it, it or when I first picked it up, excuse me, it resonated with me so much that I read it from cover to cover in one setting. I couldn't put it down. And uh, it was at that point that I made the decision that I had to begin to explore this more and learn about it and with the intent of hopefully uh, implementing it within my facility. And uh, after reaching out to the great game of business, they, they provide consulting services and they have a whole plan for companies that have no familiarity with it. They bring on a consultant and uh, it's typically a, a three-phase process, which we completed all those phases, and it took us about three years. But once implemented, uh, the real work begins because you have to maintain the culture of open book management, and, and you know that's, uh, that's ongoing, and that's really uh, my passion in terms of supporting the employees and, and the culture uh, from a top-down level and ensuring that not only the existing employees are, are – uh, adhering to the to the methodology but most importantly as you bring on new people really uh, <clears throat> evaluating those people for their abilities and their mindset to see if they're going to be a good fit because at the end of the day uh, you need the right people on board and and not everybody buys into it but I see that more and more people are and uh, by being very thorough in that uh, interviewing and hiring process I found that uh, the people we brought on board have really um, embrace the culture and the, the philosophy behind open book management. So what exactly is open book management? Can you dive a little bit deeper on exactly what it is? Sure. So open book management is taking all of the financials of the company and reporting on those and keeping those as transparent as possible. And then that's the first step. The second step is then giving people within the organization accountability to uh, the financials of the company. And that could be someone that's a, a, a C-level executive all the way down to uh, a manufacturing person. And so we have what's called a weekly scoreboard meeting where we present the income statement and we make forecasts for the next week and we do that weekly. Um, and that gives us a lot of visibility on how we're performing. And everybody uh, or every line item in the income statement is owned by an individual. And those people rotate out on a quarterly basis. And so what this does is it gives the accountability to everybody to understand, one, how is the business being ran, where are the expenses, and how are they accounted for. And most importantly, it empowers them to look at how can they make improvements or how can they recommend improvements to make the company more profitable. And the other thing it does, I've seen, is that uh, – in times of uncertainty, 
the last thing you want to do, in my opinion, is is not be transparent and hold back how the company is performing because that creates fear. When people become fearful, they start looking for other jobs, and uh, you know they feel uncertainty. And yeah. that really eliminated all of that. And it, it empowers people to say, hey, you know, this next month or this next quarter, we may not hit our original budget numbers, but here's some things we can do to work together as a team to make up some of that difference. And uh, we've really been blessed. I, I think the biggest uh, benefit we have from open book management is the turnover rate. And I would say prior to implementing it, you know, we had a pretty substantial turnover rate, somewhere in the, the 10 to 15% range. And I would say now it's in the, the low single digits. I mean, maybe two to three percent. And typically that's a, that's a result of, of someone coming on board and maybe after experiencing it for a period of time or being in the culture, they realize this isn't something they buy into. And so they almost uh, self-select, which is a term that's in the book uh, that Jack Stack uh, ha- had come up with. And so it, it, it's nice because it really, um, it encourages ongoing accountability, but it also helps to filter out people rather quickly within the organization that are new to ensure they're going to be, you know, a productive team member and contribute to the overall mission. Absolutely. Well, I think two things there. I think the culture uh, obviously is it's obviously made a very positive impact on your company culture. And I believe company culture um, is a huge um a huge positive, a huge piece of an organization. It can be a, a huge positive piece. It can be a, a negative piece. And if you have a great company culture, obviously, I think it it can be very impactful. On the second piece of that was the turn, which is the turnover. A lot of organizations, you know, in my opinion, uh, don't realize how costly turnover can be. Um, and it's very sometimes very hard to even tie a dollar amount uh, to turnover. But uh, I see it all the time in small businesses how turnover can impact an, an organization negatively. And so for you to go from a 10 to a 15% turnover rate to 2 to 3% turnover rate, um, not only does that impact the culture of the organization, but it impacts the financials of the organization. And so I, I, I commend you on, on, your, on that management style. I think it's, uh, it's pretty interesting, pretty neat. I, you, know, you and I have talked about this in the past, but um, I, I think it's a really, really uh, testament to your leadership of the organization. No, thank you. Now for a quick break, we bring in our sponsor, Enterprise Bank and Trust, member FDIC. Enterprise Bank and Trust knows that every business and every person is unique. That's why we get to know you in a way that large financial institutions don't. They are our banking partner here at the STL Leaders Podcast, and I highly recommend you check them out. To learn more, visit EnterpriseBank.com. Now back to Frank Hannon. So what is what does the future for laser like look like? Obviously, uh, you know, had a had a good year this year and I'm assuming next year will will be much of the same. Where where you want to take the organization? Yeah, so we um, the future looks good. I mean, we part of the process is projecting out three to five years down the road what we expect the sales to be and what the the bottom line is. And uh, based on that, um, you know, everything was really good. We like I said, we feel very fortunate. Uh, but and more importantly, we have a, a great strategic plan for growth, and uh, we meet quarterly to evaluate that plan and make any adjustments as necessary. And uh, typically, you know, when we review the, uh, the the plan and 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 we look at the budget and we look at the numbers, we typically meet our goals. You know, we're we're I wouldn't say we're 100%. No one's perfect, but we're pretty darn close. And um, so, looking to the future. We've been exploring uh, merging or, 
or completing an acquisition uh, for some complementary technology companies to diversify our service offerings and increase the enterprise value. And uh, as it stands now, that looks very promising. No, that's exciting stuff. I'm, I, I wish you guys nothing but the best on that. I, I know you and I have talked about that in the past, and um, I have no doubt that, that you'll make that happen as well. So uh, let me ask you uh, a couple other quick questions before I let you get back to your day. You know, you, you mentioned the book that you read about Jack Stack, but are there any other books that you have read or podcasts that you've listened to that have impacted you as a leader, as a CEO of a, a small business here in the Midwest? Yes, and um, so I've I've been reading business books uh, ever since I can remember, probably since uh, since I was 18 years old and on. And and um, uh, my wife jokes with me because I'm a I'm the type of guy that if I pick up a book, I pick up a book to to learn. I don't read uh, just for the joy of reading uh, per se. You know, if I'm if I'm going to take the time to pick up a book, I want to learn something, whether it be a book, a magazine, or or listening to a podcast. And so I've read a, a, a lot of great books on leadership from Patrick Lencioni. I've uh, um, a lot of books on strategy over the years and really too many to list. But some that really come to mind and I think are, are worth mentioning uh, is, is a great book, which is Good to Great. Um, obviously, The Great Game of Business, which is kind of our cornerstone for the business. Um, some others are Blue Ocean Strategy, Scaling Up by Vern Harnish. Those are a few of the more recent books that come to mind. And no, uh, I think... Yeah. And um, yeah. so, you know, that that I enjoy reading, but uh, for the sole purpose of learning. And it's it's typically usually centered around business. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I think, you know, in, anybody in the leadership position, uh, you got to I always say it all the time on the show. You got to be a student, a student of it and you got to continue to broaden your horizons and learn from other great leaders. Uh, and there's no better way to do that than listen to podcasts or read books. Frank, before I let you go, what is one uh, piece of advice that you would give someone that is listening to this show, uh, whether it's around leadership or whether it's in, in life in general? Yeah, so really, I think, in my opinion, a good leader has to take more of a supportive role and, and, and really lead from behind. And what I mean by that is that, of course, there are times where you're going to have to make decisions and you're going to have to determine the direction of the company. I mean, that's, that's your role as a CEO. But on an ongoing basis, I think good leaders shouldn't have to micromanage others or be involved in every detail. They should offer support and encourage them, uh, encourage their employees to be the best. Hire very talented people, very smart people, pay them well, recognize them uh, for their achievements, and keep them motivated by listening to them and challenging them. And uh, most importantly, letting the people shine in their roles and be successful, even if that means they have to fail several times before they succeed really giving them that freedom to make decisions and empowering them has really been the biggest uh, uh, value that I've seen as opposed to standing there and, and, and trying to oversee every little detail and, and dictate everything that happens. Uh, most of the most brilliant and significant cost reduction ideas that have come uh, or that have benefited the company have come from our team members, not me. They've been successful this way because we give them the opportunity to make their own decisions try new things and fail, and most importantly, we support them along the way. And uh, that's that's probably, I think, the biggest thing you can do as a leader is just hiring really great people, smart people, and letting them, you know, giving them the reins, so to speak, to just go out there and, and succeed. Yeah, no, I think that's absolutely great advice. And one other thing I'd commend you on is 
Um, you know, I, I know you continue to network, uh, even though you're a CEO of an organization. I, the way we met three and a half, four years ago was I sent you a simple LinkedIn message just asking you to grab a cup of coffee or lunch. And and you took me up on that. And now we've you know, been friends and, and, and have stayed connected to the years past. And so I just I want to commend you on that. There's a lot of CEOs that wouldn't take that time to meet someone uh, who is, uh, you know, in a position like I am. Um, and so I just would thank I thank you for that. And I commend you on doing that. But I also commend you on on the the path that your organization has been on and, the, and what the future holds. Um, from on be you know on behalf of everyone here at the STL Leaders Podcast, uh, you're what defines leadership here in St. Louis. Um, and so I really appreciate not only what you're doing for our community, but uh, for coming on this show today. Yeah, well, thank you for your time as well, Brian. And uh, I'm glad we met several years ago. And I'm I can also say that I'm uh, uh, very impressed with you, and uh, you have a very strong very strong drive and a lot of ambition in you. And uh, uh, I wouldn't downplay your, your attributes as well. I, I'm, I'm, it's a pleasure to know you and I appreciate your time as well. Well, thank you so much, Frank. Thank you for listening to this episode of the STL Leaders Podcast. This episode was brought to you by Synchrony HR. Are you looking for an HR provider, HR solutions? Are you having trouble with COVID-19 and managing this pandemic? If so, reach out to Synchrony HR at SynchronyHR.com. Thank you for listening to this episode of the STL Leaders Podcast.